Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm full of rice. <laughs> yeah, it's the rice and the absinthe. They're really just like worn it out. God, I'm full of rice. Punched my mic. Kate won't let me play with the slime. I said, well, I said the cloud slime. Would Kate be, won't let me. Did we want to start with some you slime? Want to start with some slime? Yeah. Some, they're going to be like, I don't like this episode, actually. <laughs> oh, mine won't make noise. Mine's just the cloud. Yeah, you can't hear mine. Well, that's stupid. How many options do you have in front of you? So many. We're going to cut this out. No, we're not. Do you guys like this? Is this good for you? What if we started every episode with us just playing with slime? We would uh, lose some, but gain Gain a lot lot more. (laughs) Oh, here we go. I got the one that's just full of lava rocks. Are you ready? (laughs) Uh, I meant to give a warning. If you don't like ASMR sounds, turn it off. Listen to that. It's Who so doesn't like crackly and good? Who does? It smells like sh- cherries. Yeah, not strawberries. Yeah. All right. Well. Yep. That's I, about enough of that. If anyone isn't all up on my personal feed, which is almost everyone listening, <laughs> I've bought a lot of slime recently. <laughs> Kate bought me a lot of slime. <laughs> I told Kate that I was stressed. I showed up crying, and then Kate went, "I bought you five slimes." <laughs> and you know what? That's the love language we haven't yeah. discovered. And <laughs> slime. Slime. I All right, aerated this too much and I can't get it in. You're being ridiculous. Put your slime away. <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> I almost said, well, I mean, speaking of slime, sort of. Uh, there's definitely some like there's definitely some strange liquids. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of strange liquidy slimy things. Yeah. Uh, The Exorcist. The We're Exorcist. talking about The Exorcist. Yeah. Which uh, as you know, because it's October, we are doing the movies that scared us the most, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about this in a second. Um, we, this one is mine. Uh, this is the, We did The Exorcist. I watched this movie. I think the reason it scared me so much is because I watched it as a kid. Mm. Like, definitely not supposed to. Like, I was sitting on the chair, like the stairs, like yeah. watching it through the, yeah, like I wasn't supposed to. Um, I thought we were alternating. <laughs> so we watched my movie last week, which mm-hmm. was Hereditary, and I went... Well, okay, now it's time for one of Kate's movies. I watched like 30 to 40 minutes of the wrong movie. And thank God, my girlfriend went, hey, what year are you supposed to be watching? And I went, oh, let me ask Kate. And then you went, well, this week it's 1973 for The Exorcist. Because you said 1980 and I was like, there's very much not an Exorcist film in the 80s. And I was like, let me see what year next week's movie is. <laughs> the 80s? Yes. Um, so I've got some notes on that one. Yeah, so I watched 40 Minutes of the Wrong Movie. How funny would it have been, though, if I hadn't gotten any clarification? And I showed up, and I went, no, that movie was good. Yeah. And then we started. It's like, I don't know what curse you're talking about, yeah, but... Yeah, I, I genuinely couldn't find anything. You were like, hey, do you want to talk about the curse? And I went, yeah, I guess. Couldn't find anything, and I went, I don't know what curse she's talking about. <laughs> so, oopsie doos. Next week, I'm prepared. Yeah. For the this first week, 30 minutes. Well, not so much. Um, We're talking about The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. I've got some fun facts. We're going to do something slightly different as in I'm just going to read it. So if anyone doesn't know, I, I've told I've told you this before. I get all my facts from uh, Wikipedia. So like 
If you want to know what I'm going to say, just check Wikipedia. Listen, it's a good place. Um, so I'm going to read some from there because this one had so much that I was like, yeah. I can't write all this down. I was like, I need to just read it. But I have a few little facts first. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> so The Exorcist. It was made in 1973. Mm-hmm. It was directed by William Friedkin. Is it Friedkin or Friedkin? I assumed Friedkin. I assumed Friedkin and as well. And I did not try at all. Didn't look, I didn't look I think it's Friedkin. Um, he started out making like documentaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. He made The French Connection, which won five Academy Awards. Yeah. Uh, including Best Picture, Best Documentary. Or not Best Documentary, Best Director, yeah. I think. Um, so very successful. I think when I looked him up, it literally said this movie and The Exorcist. Yeah. So he just cranks out two bangers and was like, I'm out. Yeah. Good for him. They actually chose him for this because of the French yes. Connection. Yeah. They were like, listen, you got this. Um, it was actually, so I didn't know this. I didn't know that The Exorcist was a novel yes. before. I saw the writer and Ratty. I was like, yeah. And I was like, I kind of feel like this may have been a book, but I don't know for sure. And then sure enough, right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So written by William Peter Blatty, uh, but he also wrote the novel. Um, do you know when that was written? It was also the 1970s, it was just a few wasn't years it? Before. Yeah, it was really close together. So okay, listen, I don't have a ton of fun facts about this man. Okay, I have one because I was like, what? Excuse me. So like, usually I say like what they've done and whatever. This guy wrote a bunch of novels. We got it. Apparently, apparently he pretended to be a Saudi Arabian prince in 1960. Uh, what? Uh huh. He wrote a book about it called Which Way to the Mecca, Jack? And he showed up in Los Angeles still pretending to be a prince. Oh, my and God. And was just like, oh, I'm a prince. And they were like, okay. So he doubled down on the, like, email scam. Oh, being like, yeah. Someday someone will send me $400. But that's not even the weirdest thing because he also, hold on. I can, I have this up in front of me now so I can just tell you. This is the weirdest thing. So, like, I already read that and I went, what a weird guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it gets weirder. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Vladdy appeared as a contestant on the Groucho Marx quiz show, You Bet Your Life, and he won $10,000, which is enough money to quit his job and write full-time, and thereafter, he never held a regular job. (laughs) Fucking rude. (laughs) And then the Prince one is, in the late 1950s, Vladdy worked as the public relations director of Loyola University of Los Angeles. He published his first book, Which Way to the Mecca, Jack, in 1960, a humorous look at both his early life and his work in the United States Information Agency. The book also tells of his successful masquerade as a Saudi Arabian prince when he got to Los Angeles. Oh my god. He was still pretending to be a prince when he was on the quiz show. (laughs) I wish I could tell you guys what this man wrote, but I can't because all I could find was... I hate everything about him. Okay, so that's my facts about the the person who wrote The Exorcist. Jesus. And now to the cinematography. (laughs) So the cinematography was Owen Roisman. Also did The French Connection. Network. Tootsie. Wyatt Earp. Apparently a lot of good stuff. A lot of awards. This man's good stuff. Um, And then the music was Jack Nietzsche, a producer for Phil Spector, Rolling Stones, and Neil Young. Um, also did performance, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay, yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, so, popular, they got a lot of, a lot of wild people on this yeah. crew. Yeah, I was not expecting this. Um, the budget, this is gonna blow your mind. It blew mine, okay. at least. So, I only know how much it made, I don't okay. know the budget. Okay, that made, that's good, though. 
So the budget yeah. was only was only, I say. It went over budget, but it was twelve million. Okay. And it made You said you know four hundred and forty. Four hundred and forty one million dollars. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. I stumbled across that number and I was like, I always forget numbers, but for some reason that one just stuck in my it's brain. Wild. It's wild. It's a lot. I was so excited for that one because I was like, no matter what Kate guesses, it, it, what? Oh, I would never guess that much. It's so much. I would never have guessed that much. <sighs> and then so this one has so many fun facts. I will start with a few fun facts about how it was filmed. Mm-hmm. Because I do have a special segment, which oh. we haven't done in a long time. It's been a minute. It's been a long time. Um, so, um, okay. So, some fun facts about, like, how it was filmed before I get to the little segment. So, the exorcism scenes. The scenes where Marin and Karis performed the exorcism were a great challenge to film. Uh, apparently, Friedkin wanted the room to be so cold that the actor's breath would be seen. Which, I, you can see it. So, I was like, well, they clearly achieved that. And this is the 70s, so I was like, clearly it's cold, right? Like, it's gotta be. Yeah. Uh, so Freakin wanted the bedroom to be so cold that they could see their breath. A refrigeration system, which Freakin describes as an air conditioning system powerful enough for a restaurant, was installed at a cost of $50,000. $239,000 in modern dollars. Oh my god. It could lower the temperature to negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Cold enough that a thin layer of snow fell within it one humid morning. <sighs> no. So the character's breath was visible. Yes. Uh, but here's the problem. Because the lighting would warm stuff so much, um, they could only remain cold enough for three minutes of filming at a no. time. Yeah. So it broke down apparently all the time. Oh, God. Uh, Friedkin was only able to complete five shots each day. The complete scene, thus, took a month to film. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I only knew a tiny, tiny part, and it's just about the Reagan dummy and breathing. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing I know about. Okay. I'm. This oh. is fascinating. Isn't that absolutely wild? Wowzers. Um, so the other issue was that, like, they wanted the breath to appear, but obviously to get that, all of the actors had to be basically backlit, which is just a struggle because yeah. they're filming straight on. How do you get lights, like, kind of behind them? So um, it's much harder while filming a movie. Uh, with the actors moving all the time, it got to be a bit difficult. It was always a matter of finding a place to hide the backlight, yeah, and finding a way to keep it off of the actors. Isn't that wild? All I can hear is my theater director, find your light. Find your light. (laughs) Uh, Another fun fact. So Blair, Selma Blair, not Selma Blair. I told you in confidence. That was so funny. (laughs) Kate was like, I thought it was Selma Blair. I I read Linda Blair and was like, ah, yes, Selma. (laughs) So Linda Blair um, wore green contacts for the times that she was like possessed to look, they said, beastly, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, yeah, she's pretty fucking scary. Yeah. Um, scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got that one. That was cool. Uh, for now, this is one of my last like little fun facts about the scene that we talked about a little bit. So the anageography in it, in a, angiography. is that it? Is it angiogram? Yes. Yeah. So angiography. I don't know. But that scene angiography? where Reagan yeah. has the thing in her neck and it's spurting blood. Mm-hmm. Um, Originally, the way this is worded, they made it sound like they actually did that. And I was like, no fucking way. Mm-hmm. Which Kate and I eventually dug into. And no, they did not. No. But. They did not poke a young girl's neck I on. was so sure. I was like, it's the 70s. You can do whatever you want. And I, so, having read a lot about other scenes, was like, she's a, no. no. <laughs> uh, so, basically, um, it caused audiences the most discomfort, according yeah. to Gladdy, Who himself admitted he never watched it. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, it's been criticized as unappetizing. Yeah. The film's most needless scene and revolting. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's so accurate, apparently. Yeah. So I'll read this from Wikipedia again. It says, medical professionals have described the scene as a realistic depiction of the procedure. It is also of historical interest in the field, as around the time of the film's release, radiologists have begun to stop using that method. Um, so that's terrifying. I hated it. Yeah. When they put it in, I was like, oh, that's kind of gross. And then it starts spurting the blood and I went, I actually hate it. Um, I was trying to figure out what they were doing because I wasn't yes. familiar with the procedure. And I was like, okay, so if they're like trying to put something in when they do like certain types of imaging, they'll put like a radioactive yes. thing or right. like do something like that. And then I was like, okay, hold on. You put something in now something's coming out. Like, yep, yep, what are yep. you doing? It I didn't understand. So gross. Yeah. Um, but interesting. Like I was like, I've never seen this. Um, it says in his 2012 commentary on the DVD release of the 2000 cut, mm. Friedkin claimed that the scene was used as a training film for radiologists for years after the film's release. I doubt it. I doubt it. But yeah, if it is, we I, know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's basically it. I have a few little fun facts about the spider walk scene and how it was in the book. Yeah. All I know this is that cracked they removed me up. it from the original cut. Yeah. So basically it was done obviously by a stunt woman. Yeah. Um, performs the spider walk scene. In November 1972, Friedkin deleted the scene over Blatty's objection. Prior to the premiere, he thought it appeared too early in the film, which, mm. like, I guess yeah. that makes sense. In the book, the spider walk is more muted. Well, okay, so that, remember that sentence. It's more muted. Now, here's how it's described. Well, consisting of Reagan following Sharon around near the floor and flicking a snake-like tongue at her ankles. Very muted. Mm-hmm. A take more like this was filmed. A different take showing Reagan with blood flowing from her mouth was inserted into the 2000 director's cut of the film. Okay. It says citation needed on that one. Yeah. So, hey, I don't know. I watched the scene because, like, I... The version that we watched on HBO Max mm-hmm. is not the, like, 2000 cut. Oh, it's really? It's the original cut. Yeah. And so... Which is the one I've seen the most. Yeah. And so I, like, was on the YouTubes, like, show me the spider walk scene. And I saw it. <laughs> It's just really just like yep. small like, dog and around their ankles, like flicking her tongue. I just it's think weird. it's so funny that they were like, it's more muted. Uh, just licking people's uh-huh. tongue. Like, or not licking their tongue. That's disgusting. Well, well. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so I, if I, I could go on forever because there's so many things about like the special effects and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, the only other fun one I have is that um, it's pea soup. Yeah. When she throws up, it's pea soup. Yeah. That's and the one I've always known. Apparently, uh, he lied to the actors as directors do sometimes. And that's fun and not at all bad. Uh, he said, she will throw up on your lapel or something. And then just vomits straight on his eyes. Oh! And so like his reaction of shock and disgust is real. That's actually a common thing within this is that they yeah. used a lot of the shots where people got hurt. Yeah. They just used it. They were like, Oh, well it's so realistic. Yeah. Like someone like fucking broke something and they were like, use it, use it. Jesus. Yeah. So that's in this a lot. Um, but now, the curse. So I haven't done this in a long time, but it's Haunted Movie Sets. I don't remember the song that haunted I had. Haunted Movie Sets. Was Woo! that it? No. Haunted <laughs> Movie Sets. Woo! It just needs to have if some minor chords theme in there. song. Like, haunted. Haunted. Movie sets. <laughs> I wish I knew it. <laughs> but, so I have a, a few little things. So basically people think this movie is cursed. They think, like, mm-hmm. the set was cursed and, like, filming it and everything. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were uncomfortable with it. I mean, we talked about the casting. And, yeah. like, a few people were like, no, I'm not going to do that. 
Uh, so the movie was supposed to take 105 days. Mm-hmm. Um, due to issues, so many issues, it took 200. Ooh. Yeah. So the film went $2.5 million over budget. Yeah. Costing the studio $12 million, which is $57.4 in, million, uh, in modern dollars. Fuck. Early on, uh, the set for the interior of the house that they live in in New York. Um, Georgetown. Or sorry, Georgetown. Uh, but I think it was filmed potentially in New York. Ooh. Sorry. But either way, yeah, the yeah. set of the house that's in Georgetown. Yeah. Uh, it caught on fire because a bird flew into a circuit breaker and only Reagan's room was completely untouched by the fire. Satan protected it. Satan was like, not this room, guys. Mm-mm. He's like, so, I have my best agent in there. Yeah. And also, people just, like, kept getting hurt. <laughs> like, I'm trying to find it. Well, I wonder I'm... how that could happen when you spit pea soup in someone's right? eyes. That's why when people are like, it's cursed. I'm like, you also did, you know. Some... Some really shitty things. Freezing your actors. Um, Oh, yeah. So it was, the set was in New York. So injuries to cast and crew also affected production. It had permanent consequences. Mm. Uh, So Burston's back injury during the scene where the possessed Reagan throws Chris backwards before her head spins. The take used in the film left her unable to film for two weeks and she had to use crutches for the remainder of the production. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so the coccyx fracture that she suffered has caused her continuing problems since it was inadequately treated at the time. Yikes. Yeah. It sounds like a very like NFL thing. Like yeah. just power through it's it. It's okay. You Two got it. You got it. This one is also. Fuck. Blair also suffered a back injury. In her case, a lower spinal fracture during a take that was also used in the film. After being too loosely strapped to the bed when it was being rocked around, Aww. she developed scoliosis as a result. Oh, it, Jesus. Uh, it's a quote from her, I, I believe. It was far more serious than I ever imagined and really affected my health negatively for a long time. See, that's another... When I read that, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, Selma Blair. She has, like... Classic <laughs> Selma Blair. Yeah. She does have it. <laughs> yeah. Um, she further developed a lifelong aversion to cold due to having to spend so much time in the refrigerated bedroom set wearing only a nightgown and long underwear. Jesus. Also, a carpenter cut his thumb off. Uh, a lighting technician cut his toe off. Huh. Uh, Who needs there those were digits? Other deaths among people connected to the film and their family members. So, uh, McGowan? I'm not sure who played that, but uh, oh, Dennings. Yeah. So, after completing his scenes as Dennings with the character's death, uh, he also died <laughs> a, week, a week after. Method actor, I see. Yeah, right? And then. Uh, the person who played, I believe, the mother. We talked about yeah. this. Mama Karis. So, Maleros or something? I can't see. Malerios. I'm not sure. Uh, so, the mom, the Greek mother, also passed away right after it was done. Uh, deaths among or close to the crew included the night watchman, operator of the refrigeration system for <laughs> Reagan's room, and an assistant cameraman's newborn child. Aww. Blair's grandfather died during the first week of production. Uh, Vaughn Sido had to return to Sweden after his first day on set because after shooting his entrance scene, uh, after he learned that his brother had died. Oh, that's a big old bummer. Miller's son nearly died when he and his father were out at the beach and a motorcycle unexpectedly appeared and struck him. <sighs> yeah. There's, there's just constant things. So yeah. Friedkin believed that there might have been some supernatural interference with the film. I'm not a convert, a convert to the occult, he told the horror film magazine. But after I've seen, after all I've seen on this film, I definitely believe in demonic possession. <laughs> we were plagued by strange and sinister things from the beginning. He had some striking visuals in the film that had not been intended and could not be explained. 
gas. I know. I'm like, what did you do? Um, but yeah, basically people were just scared of the movie. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, the person who did the special effects, the supervisor said he was uncomfortable working on the film. There was definitely a feeling something bad could happen. I felt I was playing around with something I shouldn't be playing around with. <laughs> That's basically it. So haunted movie said oh. it said it was just cursed. People thought it was cursed. Basically yeah. just like bad things kept happening. And uh, people blamed that. Because what else did we... Uh, Poltergeist. And The Omen had... And The Omen. Yeah. Where it's just like... I think people assume that these are bad topics to deal with. So then they, I don't know, attribute every bad thing yeah. to the movie. It's like when you're looking for confirmation yeah. of like a thesis... Or not a thesis, but like a statement or a hypothesis. Then you're going to find it. And yeah. you'll attribute anything to that. It was, it was just funny to read because I was like... Okay, well, that Greek mother was super old. Okay, like, these are all things that I was like, yeah, it's a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Interesting. I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah. But I thought it was funny that they were very much like, it's cursed. We're very, like, <laughs> shaniacs about haunted movie sets. Where, yes. <laughs> like, and if you don't know, that's, uh, well, I guess it's Ghost Watcher. Files now. Yeah. yeah, Watcher. So I just, I, I need, like, foolproof. Like, I need to see it yeah. or else I just don't, I just don't believe it. So you show me a string of coincidences. Right. Say, I'm like, me to get from they're this? like, her pet mouse died. And I'm oh, like, that's, no, that's they a bummer. They die a lot. They die a lot. I my sir. two gerbils. One of them ate the other. Oh, oh my God. I know. Yeah. One of mine Jasper just like. Jasper Cusco. Oh, classic. Cusco would never fend for himself <laughs> in the wild. No. But that's, uh, that's all my facts. Nice. So. Sorry, it was so long, but I had to get through that curse. I love that shit. It was just so so intense that I wanted to read everything. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I want to make sure I get this right, which it's Wikipedia, so maybe I didn't, but you know, hey, we'll see. Amazing. You know what time Thanks. it is then? I know. I know. I I couldn't even, I had to come to you and go, what's this movie about? And I chose it. Like, as a child, it's a lot easier to just be scared and not understand. Mm -hmm. I, a girl, a girl is possessed mm -hmm. and it fucks up everyone around her yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's about it yeah she she just really goes for it she does do some that. demons are a little more subtle not this one no so she really yeah she's like give them what you got show them everything show them everything baby yeah good for her no one goes hungry here <laughs> <laughs> i hope i what what they have to say for real Rotten Tomatoes. Sure. Uh, one of the most profitable horror movies ever made. Okay. This tale of an exorcism is based loosely on actual events. Relax. Very loosely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when young Reagan starts acting odd, levitating, speaking in tongues, her worried mother seeks medical help, only to hit a dead end. A local priest, however, thinks the girl may be seized by the devil. The priest makes a request to perform an exorcism, and the church sends in an expert to help with the difficult job. Bruh. You're not even accurate, Rotten Tomatoes. I know, tomatoes, it's not even good. Because yeah. the priest does not think that she's possessed. The mom does. The priest is like, we have to rule out literally everything else. Literally everything. And then he like sits with her and he's like, okay, the priest, the demon saying that it's literally the devil is like a ghost saying it's Napoleon Bonaparte. Like, right. It is like, there's highly no way. unlikely that the actual devil's in there. Yeah, I... And it wasn't, obviously. Rotten Tomatoes. You think you can just come in here with your... <laughs> Your your movie stuff on the day of my toilets on the day of my toilets quinceanera. It's one of my favorites. It's a good one. We'll have to post it now. 
I'm pumped. I don't know what you're going to cover. So, when it comes to The Exorcist, there are so many fucking options. It was like an embarrassment of riches type moment where it's Love like, it. what even could I cover? And because the theme of this month is about our first impressions and experiences with the film, I wanted to take it back to the premiere of The Exorcist <gasps> and contextualize the release and then summarize the hubbub. Woo! Woo! I love it. Then, of course, we'll take it back to society at large, I guess. I guess. I guess. <laughs> so, we've talked about the context of the 60s and 70s before with The Omen. Yeah. I want to take another look at that time period, focusing on some slightly different events. We're not going to talk a ton about Watergate. Go figure. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Not bad. everything can be about Nixon. That's fine. I had it's a fine. moment of crisis. Like, was it Nixon? He was. <laughs> <laughs> it is shocking to me frequently how little I know about American history because Same. out of spite, probably. Right. I know. I just willfully like, forget no. anything about presidents. And so people are like, name five. It. And I was like, how dare you attack me like this? I can name none. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So. For The Omen, we talked about a lack of stability and trust after Watergate, but that was not the only thing going on at the time. Uh, we have never had a lack of things to be stressed about. <laughs> and we never will. It's true. With yeah. the way it's going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this movie came out in 73, a time where cultural shifts from the 60s to the 70s were in stark relief. Yeah. For example, an essay from Divine Horror entitled Power of Film Compels You... <laughs> I, my book is over there. It's on the ground because I like Film was taking my notes and then you. fell asleep. And oh my god, <laughs> I just forgot to pick it up. But um, I started with that essay, uh, and it's the same book that I got uh, the premillennial dispensationalism essay from. Premillennial dispensationalism. That was for that always gets me. the Let Us Pray. Yes, the yep. Let Us Pray. The Let Us Pray. The Let Us Pray. Yeah. Um, Let's. <laughs> So this comes from The Power of Film Compels You by Steve Weebly. Uh-huh. Webley, Weebly, who's to say? Uh, and it compares two major events occurring within a year of each other. And the first was just like this little music festival you may not have heard of. What's uh, it called? Woodstock? Oh. Have you ever heard of? We're mm-hmm. le- are we vaguely familiar with Woodstock? Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I knew it was kind of a toss-up as yeah. to whether we would know, but... Sounds boring. Yeah. In 69, <laughs> there was... <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> out of me <laughs> i get it yeah uh when the queue is at like 169 i'll be like nice <laughs> and i'll just, just weeping <laughs> yeah nice. i take like screenshots of the number and like someday this will be funny <clears throat> in 1969 yeah there was a music festival that was held on a little dairy farm in bethel new york cute one of the key points about the festival was how well attended it was like that is like one of the most memorable aspects yeah of it. Uh, when getting permits and all that shit, the organizers assured the locals that no more than 50,000 people would attend. They were like, we're going to top out at 50,000. Don't even worry. Don't even fret. Well, that's how many showed up for like the early bird. <laughs> like they got there early and started camping out. Guess how many people showed up? I'm going to ask double. 400,000. 400,000? Yeah. I grabbed my sweater like I was scandalized. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Ankles? Oh my God. I very much had that. Yeah. So, um... When roughly eight times as many people, as you expect, show up, you're going to run out of necessities like food and medical supplies. Well, that's Firefest. Yeah. <laughs> except, uh, except less, fewer blowjobs for bottled water, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never seen the Firefest documentary, but that's I'm... about it. <laughs> I need bottles of water. I'll do anything. <laughs> Listen, Jeez. I get it. <laughs> I get it. When I'm thirsty, I just become a shell of my former self. Oh, my you know? God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. 
so you're going to run out of necessities. Yeah. And that happened. So they had the Army Medical Reserve helicopters fly in supplies. I know. Uh, Not okay. a thing you'd expect. And Were they the irony, busy? Right? <laughs> It's like the irony of a wing of the military delivering supplies for a counterculture music festival. I know. It's not lost on anyone. Everyone was like, there's this uh, moment in one of the articles where people are like, when the helicopter started flying over, the uh, announcers on the stage were like, hey, it's the United States Army. And I was like, oh. Right. The reserve medical. And then I was like, huh? It's flying in supplies. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. Committee, but we got there. It really did. And so, like, the people flying the helicopters were like, we could see the like tension in the crowd, and then the and then immediately, like, all right, you're not yeah, too bad. Because we're not as so soon as like, you and I, <laughs> as soon as they saw like the cross, the um, medical yeah. like, symbol on the side of the helicopters, people were like, oh, fine, like, we're good, keep Woo! smoking. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, but anyway, and like, wing of the military flies in supplies mm-hmm. for Woodstock. Fun That's times. hilarious. Uh, so cut to... Oh, this is where I can see out again. Oh, well. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. So cut to less than a year later when the Ohio National Guard shot and killed uh, four student protesters at Kent State. Yeah. Yeah, yep, May 4th, yep. Kent State Massacre. Yeah. So obviously these are different militia groups, like different aspects. Like one of them was the United States Army, right. like the Reserve Medical, whatever the fuck. And then Kent State was the Ohio National Guard. But... Some of the same hippies that uh-huh. may have received food from helicopters at Woodstock were fired upon eight months later. Oh, my God. Yeah, so the temporal proximity of these events is jarring. Uh, and Webley also points out that the, quote, peace and love image of hippies was marred or outright destroyed by the Manson murders in 69. Yeah. Less nice. Uh, so as a Vice article puts it, quote, it was the second weekend of August in 1969 when Charles Manson put a violent end to the summer of love. Woodstock, the music festival that would be remembered as the pinnacle of the 1960s counterculture, wasn't for another week. But the hippie movement was over before Woodstock even started. The hippies just didn't know it yet. Damn. Yeah. So we have this rapid transition from idealized peace, love, and harmony yeah. hippies to this corruption or evil manifestation or backlash to, depending on who you ask. Yeah. And in the essay, this section is titled Tides of Chaos oh because God. it was this huge cultural upheaval happening in the years just before this movie was released. So that's like 69 to like 70, basically. Yeah. And when talking about the 80s, we've discussed like the focus on consumerism, conservative traditional values, Mm -hmm. patriotism, et cetera. This happens before that reaches full strength. Because the 80s had that like feeling of like safety because they had something to latch on to. This is before they had something to latch on to. Yikes. So in the early 70s, it could be viewed as a moment where there's either an underbelly to a movement being exposed or backlash to the movement is so strong that it upends and replaces it. Yeah. Either way, shit's grim. And God. it's like that fumbling around for something to hold on to before we really latch on to the promise of economic growth through consumerism and conservatism. Like, and the Pope at the time, Pope Paul the Sixth, <laughs> I had to like... I was, I was like, like, you could say anything again. I, I know how to read Yeah, all right. Else. Pope Paul VI released a statement about how pivotal the moment was for the church and by extension society at large. This is a long-ass quote. I shortened it because it was, it was a whole-ass statement. And I was like, I'll just pick and choose the relevant portions. Right. Um, so, quote, So we find sin in the perversion of human freedom and the deep cause of death because it is separation from God, the source of life. And then, in its turn, the occasion and effect of an intervention in us and in our world of an obscure agent, the devil. Evil is not merely a lack of something, but an effective agent, a living spiritual being, perverted and perverting, a terrible reality, mysterious and frightening. 
So we know that this dark and disturbing spirit really exists and that he still acts with treacherous cunning. He is the secret enemy that sows errors and misfortune in human history. The question of the devil and the influence he can exert on individual persons as well as on communities, whole societies or events, is a very important chapter of Catholic doctrine which is given little attention today, though it should be studied again. Some people think a sufficient compensation can be found in psychoanalytical and psychiatric studies or in spiritualistic experiences so widespread, unfortunately, in some countries today. Yeah. So that was released on uh, February 73. Yeah. (laughs) On February 73. On it. Yeah. In February of 1973. Yeah. Just 10-ish months before the release of the Exorcist in theaters. Oh, my God. So in the statement... Basically, the Pope is saying, like, the devil is real, and it's not, like, evil isn't just a lack of love and caring. Evil is an entity, and we've strayed from God's light, and we should actually really study evil more and, like, understand it as someone (laughs) that acts. And, like, there was a lot of stuff that I took out where it's, like, you know, the betrayer, the liar, the, like, fooler of all these mortals, whatever the fuck. Oh, God. so that was released February of 73. Ten-ish months later, we get The Exorcist in theaters. And we can see the tensions within and among sections of society, yeah. as well as the perceived threats to humanity as articulated by the head of the Catholic Church. Oh, God. So this is where we get a film about a mother-daughter pair whose lives are utterly wrecked by the devil. Or a demon that says right. he's devil. Pazuzu is not Satan, but... Pazuzu. Pazuzu. <laughs> he is actually a yeah. like, Mesopotamian, I think, demon. I think so. Uh, so, what was the reaction to the film like? This is where we're getting from. We've established context. Right. Now let's like really dig into how people felt. Oh yeah, it was dramatic. <laughs> so aside from the facts that are easy to confirm, like ticket sales and yeah. hours-long lines outside of theaters, there are also stories of what happened in those hallowed cinemas. There are reports of moviegoers leaving the film early, like me and Anastasia. Uh, fainting and vomiting like I did not do with Anastasia. I did not do. <laughs> no, I left and I cried. I did not faint or vomit. <laughs> let's get the record straight. <laughs> God. Um, so let's start with Turdown. Yeah. Day after Christmas on Boxing Day. What brings masses of people out for a horror film? Well, according to one article, when they interviewed folks in line at one theater, they said about a third of the folks had read the book, and they wanted to see, like, if it could live up to it, if it could, like, accurately represent it. Still leaves, like, 66.666 repeating percent. Right. Uh, The movie received decidedly mixed reviews. Uh, Okay. One of the summaries I saw said that there were eight positive, four mixed, eight negative. Oh, no. So, like, (laughs) really cutting it down the middle there. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But reports of dramatic audience reactions in the theaters enticed more folks to buy their tickets. So they wanted to be in on it. They were willing to wait for four hours. It's December, like, 26th. A lot of the articles are about, like, folks in New York. It's fucking cold. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's fucking cold. It's fucking cold. Uh, They were willing to wait for four hours in the cold winter weather to be part of the phenomenon sweeping the nation. Yeah. This movie set attendance records and held on to box office records for literally decades. God damn. Yeah. I had like all the stats and stuff. I didn't realize stuff. that it... Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I should have known when I saw the how much it made. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It there were like click. a few different records that it held on to until like 2000. One wow. of them, I think Blair Witch Project was one that like I upended that, it. Yeah. And then there was another one in the aughts or maybe the 2010s. Probably, yeah. That stole the other title. But literally decades Holy it held shit. records for a like... How much money it made and how well attended it was. So, wow. um, 
It's also funny because the studio spent relatively little on the original release in New York, yeah. but then had to add more theaters because the demand was so high. They spent like 80000 or something on the New York section, yeah. and then they kept selling out and had to keep adding more That's theaters. That's wild. There are reports of folks lighting fires along the what? lines to stay warm. Stay warm. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, sometimes fights would break out in the line, uh, and because of that, there were uniformed security guards working the lines that would stretch blocks away from the theater. And I saw, like, there's this uh, video essay, and I'll reference it later again, but um, there are a lot of, like, news reels of all these people waiting in line, and at one point, they had to start going down the line and giving out these, like, coupons. Yeah. And it was, if you get a coupon, then there is a seat for you when you get to the front of the line. You have to stand in line to get the coupon, and then you can buy a ticket if you have a coupon. But they would, like, basically count out the coupons so that if they get to the end of the line right. and they run out of coupons, it's like, I'm sorry, there are no more seats, so right. you don't have to wait in line for six hours. <laughs> you can just go. Like, we don't have any. Yeah. And so there was one where, like, all these people are waiting outside and you see this person from the theater saying, okay, we're sold out for this showing. If you want to, like, buy tickets for the 1030, those start going on sale at 830. And so people could stay in line to get tickets to the next showing. <gasps> Yeah, Damn. so it, demand was high. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Let's see. News stations would cover the long lines and the drama occurring in those lines. Right. And that led to even higher turnout. Oh and there God. was at least one instance of a canceled screening due to some uncontrollable crowd behavior. <gasps> People got kind of salty about not getting tickets and they like stormed the doors or something. Oh, shit. I didn't read too far into that. No, it's it, a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> So some theater managers reported keeping smelling salts on hand for folks that fast out. Oh my god! Buying cat litter for vom and keeping <laughs> janitors on call. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Yeah. Basically, long story short, a metric shit ton of people are watching this film, and everyone is all in on yeah. like the drama around it. So, what about some of the concerns? Yes. Slash backlash. Please. So, lots of religious groups had qualms with the film. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and the novel. Yeah. They said it invited satanic forces into our lives. Oh, Even yeah. the film that it was printed on was evil. And that it would prime us for future attacks by the devil. The devil's chill as hell. Everyone relax. <laughs> right? Uh, and then some groups were pissed about inaccuracies around communion, like the order in which certain things occurred. And then others were salty because there were actually priests employed as advisors. And they thought that that made it seem like the church endorsed the film. Can you imagine seeing this movie and the thing that makes you mad is you're like, they did communion wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's what? Like some people are like, this is not accurately representing Catholicism. And then some people are like, it's too accurate. They had priests there. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> and no one's happy. I think, like, I don't want to get, like, too off script, yeah. but I think it's really fucking hilarious that people are so salty about a film that operates conservatively in society, because what you have is a mother and a daughter living without a father in their life, and the mother tries to go to every scientific person that she possibly can, right. she's a force to be reckoned with, but the only thing that can reassert control is the is power of white men Christ. and the church. <laughs> And so it's like, you literally have the patriarchy reasserting itself through religion. Like, what more could You're you fucking welcome. want here? <laughs> anyway, so there was also a lot of backlash over the MPA rating. Oh, it was sure. rated R. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I didn't have time to get like super into it, but people thought it should be rated X. Yeah. Uh, so that no minors are allowed in, like at all, even with an adult. Right. Instead it was rated R. Lots of history around that. And we've talked about, like, Spielberg and, we, like, yeah. the uh, PG-13 didn't exist and it wasn't R, but it wasn't right. PG. Uh, but 
I only bring it up to reference another facet of the ado. <laughs> uh, there was a segment of backlash around our mental well-being after seeing the film. There were, of <laughs> course, reports of folks having a bad time emotionally after. <laughs> and <laughs> what's got you down? The exorcist. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> oh uh, a lot of people like there are reports of like just massive upticks in attendance at church, uh, mostly Catholic churches, yeah. but also people trying to get in to see psychiatrists. And <laughs> uh, one oh, UCLA man. professor said the film was quote a menace to the mental health of our community. Oh my god! Why? Because it was the seventies. And quote in the days when we all had more trust in our government, our mm. friends, and ourselves, The Exorcist would have been a bad joke. Today, it's a danger. So this is where wow. we can really see how Woodstock and Manson are remotely related to The Exorcist. I didn't talk about, like, Watergate much this time, but Watergate yeah. started popping off in 72. Yeah. So people were reeling from, like, a violent end cap on the hippie era, tensions around a war that the majority of citizens were not in favor of, and a presidential scandal that really starkly showed us how corruption can go all the way to the top. are having a rough go. Having a rough fucking go. Yeah. So this movie shows us what happens when you take a public that is reeling from uncertainty and distrust and upheaval and says, let's crank up the dial and add a few more anxieties, shall we? Pea soup? Pea soup? Anyone for the table? (laughs) It was a massive cultural sensation. And even though circumstances and context have changed over the years, we still approach it with the knowledge that this film was hugely impactful. Yeah. And it still manages to scare folks. Oh, yeah. Damn. (laughs) I did not realize that it... Like, we've talked about some movies that fuck people up, but Yeah, I didn't realize that this one fucked people up that bad. Yeah. I knew going in that there were just, like, balls-to-the-walls reports of things happening in screens. Yeah. Those aren't as well documented. And so, basically, every article that I found is, like, there are reports of, like, theater directors saying this, but yeah. what is well documented are the lines and the media backlash. Yeah, I mean, and- I imagine... Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. Because, like, I feel like in every horror movie, you always, it's always a selling point. It's like, people are throwing up. Like, you know, so I expected that. I was like, yeah, of course, I'm sure. And it's like Friedkin wouldn't allow any release of, like, images of um, Reagan in her, like, demon makeup. And then one, like, source or, like, one paper or magazine or something took pictures in a screening <gasps> of the screen and then printed those and oh, then like no. the drama of it like they had to spend very very little on um uh, advertising right because advertise itself oh with yeah the uproar around clearly it. yeah so massive massive lines there are a ton of interviews of folks like waiting in line being excited and then they did spent a lot of time outside of theaters when people came out like i don't know why i did this i feel sick that's a bad movie like people just struggling <laughs> oh my god yeah. i mean i guess i'm not surprised it's pretty buck wild for yeah. a 1970s film that's yeah. pretty intense yeah but one of Damn. the i think it was the video essay i'm gonna put it in my show notes because it was incredible yeah um and it's someone that does like i think it's like tyler on film or mm-hmm. tyler on cinema or something yeah I don't know. he has like really good uh work on a lot of different cinema. Um, I think he's, like, specifically into Kubrick, but he mm. does other stuff, too. Yeah. Anyway, really well done. Yeah. But um, he had a thing on, like, horror audiences are different now because we have all of Netflix, HBO, Hulu, at our disposal. If you wanted to experience a horror film, you had to go to the theater. Yeah. And you had to, like, 
physically go to a place, wait for a ticket, sit among other people with all the emotions. Oh my god. And also, like, at the time, <clears throat> there weren't a ton of horror films because, like, of how expensive it was to make right. movies. And he went into this cool thing about, like, tentpole films. I want to talk about that later, but it's basically, like, instead of spreading out, like, their money and effort on a bunch of little films, they would mm-hmm. put a ton of fucking money into one film. Yeah. Like, a year, and try to, like, make mass appeal from that. That makes sense. And so, like, they look at Jaws and right. The Exorcist as movies based on books that they put a lot of money into right. so that they could, like, put it out there. So there's just Oof. so much about the cultural context of when it was released. It's fascinating. That's wild. Yeah. The Manson stuff's wild. I intentionally spent very little time on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also, there was a lot of stuff that, like, just didn't have time to add to the context, but, yeah. That's... A lot going on. Woo! Yeah. What a... What a horror. <laughs> Speaking <Society>. of... <laughs> society is a horror, I mean, yeah. we all know society's always the real horror. Yeah. Like, duh. <laughs> Obvi. Um, I've got my notes. Mm-hmm. So, I just want to, I just want to say that I watched this movie as a child, and yes, it scared the shit out of me. I didn't know what was happening. I just knew it was scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out, I still don't know what's happening. <laughs> I watched this, I watched this in two chunks. I watched, like, the first half, the one night, and the second half, the night before. And I feel like I just, I must have missed stuff or something, because it was one of those ones where, like, I know I like this movie. It's kind of like Black Christmas, except that I know I like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like the opposite. I'm like, I know I love this, but I clearly missed some stuff. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I need to watch it again. But it's one of those ones that I do enjoy watching. So there's something like one of the things we talked about before we started recording yeah. was the detective and uh-huh. how confusing it was. And that's a trope is aborted arc because oh, like, yeah. his like segment in the film just kind of drops just kind of he like shows up at the end and i'm like what did you do why are you here and so like confusion around his utility I'm, or purpose totally understandable okay. i'm glad it's not like just no, me because no, no, i was no. kind of like what's your deal so i'll get to my notes my notes are obviously mostly about just like stuff i enjoyed mm-hmm. while like the filming and all that um because characters they just confused me a little um i did forget that the mom was an actor and that was her whole like her job and everything i thought that was neat i don't mm-hmm. know why i i like how against religion she kind of is in this movie i was like you go girl which but is then of course she's like i need god and that's how i think that this movie operates so conservatively because oh yeah it's like she is very much like we don't need my husband like i don't need right. a man like we don't need god no sky daddy for us and then in the end, the only thing that saves them is the institution yeah. of the Catholic Church. I'm like, and oh. <laughs> sure. And she's I also guess. just like, I'm trying to think of, she's like a liberal Lisa in like yeah. the moment where she's filming because she's like, the only way to change things is to work within the system. Like, I know. And that's you're like, what you're going with. Okay. <laughs> sure. So that was interesting. It gives you an interesting vibe of like her personality. They do a good job of like showing you that like, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. You know what I mean? So then immediately I think it makes it a last resort for her to turn to the church and all this. It makes it desperate. It's good. I don't agree with it. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't like it. But I I think it's, I think they did a good job of making it seem like she was so desperate to try something. Yeah. That's good. So her character is like established pretty early on. Reagan, I feel like it's not super, she's kind of just a kid, you know? We get, like, you get a, a sense of how close they are, but, like, that's kind of it. 
There's not like a ton about Reagan. You I know feel that like. she's creative, right? That she likes horses, which right? you should oh, fear her. Obviously, I, I already wrote something. Horse girl confirmed. Is what yeah, I mean. and that she loves her mom. That's it. Well, and I mean, it, and that's kind of like enough. Yeah, we'll get to it. I have notes about it a little bit, but this movie's interesting to me. Um, I like that they do this kind of often, where like it's kind of hard to tell who you're focusing on mm. at any given time, like. They do such big, wide, faraway shots. And it, like, when you, you see, I think, Karis for the first time, mm-hmm. it, like, zooms in and zooms in. And I'm like, who are we looking at? Who's who's here? And then finally, it's, like, right on his face. And I'm like, oh, that guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I just thought it was cool. It was just kind of, like, it gives you that that feeling of, like, it's one in a million. It's, like, it, it doesn't really matter who gets possessed. A devil doesn't care. Like, yeah. poor Karis just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and now he's involved. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's the same with Reagan. It's like, that just sucks. Like, so I thought that was interesting. They do a good job of, like, zooming in and doing it slow. So I'm like, oh, no, who is it? And it's, uh, it's so anxiety-inducing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Um, also, the camera moves like an eyeline pretty consistently through the movie, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. It feels like, um, again, when we watched Black Christmas, mm-hmm. where it has, like, a lot of POV things. But it's not... Some of those ones in Black Christmas were meant to be POV, but in this one, I feel like it was never said that you're you're seeing from someone's particular view. It just feels like that. It's kind of cool. I feel like I feel like that adds to how scary it is because it makes you feel like you're there. Because mm-hmm. like a lot of times the camera will just move and like at the party, it'll just look around at people and move so effortlessly that I was like, oh, okay, I'm here. Like, I was like, yeah. I'm watching this. Yeah. And sometimes it won't even look at the person talking. Sometimes yeah. it, like, takes a really long time to get there. So it's almost like you're hearing it, like you're eavesdropping, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It did a cool job of making you feel involved in the situation. Like, you know, there are moments, obviously, where, like, Reagan's possessed and a few scenes like that where, like, yeah, of course, I'm just seeing it through a normal camera angle. But there's some cool ones. So, I don't know. I thought it was neat. Um, I wrote so fashionable, but I don't remember why I wrote that. <laughs> Somebody looked fashionable. Is it at the party? Probably. It's gotta be. No, because I have a certain note about the party. Is it about the desecrated uh, statue of Mary with the Madonna tits? It might be. <laughs> I just remember, I just see, I wrote so fashionable and then I wrote great music, but that's because I like the music in the movie. Yeah. Um, the theme is so good. And you're right. It does feel like Halloween. But it's only because Halloween technically should remind me of this. Yes. But we watched them in the wrong order. Yep. It's like I was familiar with Halloween before I was familiar yes. with The Exorcist. Even though Halloween came out five years after The Exorcist. Right? So it's like, oh, this is just like Halloween. No, Halloween's like this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's so it's so good. It, it's like instantly recognizable. And I'm like, oh, yep, spooky. And they play it only like twice, I think. Yeah. Beginning and end. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a good bookend. Um, I said I like the odd camera angles. Horse girl confirmed. Uh-huh. She's such a horse girl. I mean, just looking at her, I was like, that's a horse girl. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy. I died when she was just like, Captain Howdy, is my mom pretty? And then nothing happens. And she's like, that's pretty rude. Yep. yep. And her mom's just like, all right, fuck you, Captain Howdy. I fucking loved how her mom was like, oh, like, what's this? Like, oh, have you played with it? And yeah. we're used to like, how dare you? Can't right? like, Saturn's just like, can you show me how? <laughs> it's so funny. I was yeah. expecting her to be like pissed because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen this in forever. And I was like, oh, she's mad. And then she goes, show me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> it's the opposite of everything you're. Yeah. It's so she's funny. She's not a regular mom. She's a cool she's mom. She's a cool mom. 
They do a great job of making her a cool mom yeah. who breaks down. Oh, she's having a bad time. Having a bad time. Um, I also think Reagan is adorable. I think they do a good, like, even though she's I just said that Reagan doesn't have much, what did we say? The boy from The Mist had, like, nothing yeah. going on except to be kind of like a prop for the other yeah. people and to just be sad. Yeah. she Reagan has at least some of a personality where, yeah. like, I hate what's happening to her. You know? Yeah. Like, if she had that same... I don't really give a shit personality as the boy from The Mist. I'd be like, okay, it sucks that she's possessed, I guess. Yeah. But because they show her as being just so cute and innocent and sweet, I'm like, yeah, right. You got me. Yeah. I do feel very bad the minute it happens. I'm like, Reagan, no. And they show her being like, oh, what do you want for your birthday? And she's like, I don't know. And like, everything's just in like the lighthearted tone of like mom and daughter. Yes. And it's very different from The Mist where he's like, I don't want comics. I want you. Right. Like, it's just... I don't know. It felt more realistic, yes. I think. I felt like I could see that. And, like, when she's talking about the, the guy, and she's like, but you like him? Like, she's like, but you like him? It's very little kid of being, yeah. like, she's old enough to know some things, but, like, the way she talked was still very young. When, uh, this is a personal moment. Oh, no. Uh, when my grandfather died, I was, uh-huh. like, three. Oh, no. And, uh, when I was slightly older, mm-hmm. not old enough to know better, but I was like, we have to get grandma a new man. Because to me, it was just like, oh no. She needs a husband. Right. It was like, oh, that one's And dad was like, what? <laughs> we have to get grandma a new man. My parents thought it was hilarious, but it was also very much like, it's like, I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> well, luckily, we didn't have to get her a new daughter. <laughs> Good. Um, also, oh, I don't remember who I'm speaking about, but I wrote, I love this man's comb over, just bangs. Oh, man. What am I talking about? That could have been Father Dyer. Probably. Um, It it was just a character who was there pretty quick. It wasn't someone who stayed, or else I would have kept talking about it. It's not Gay Priest. No, not Gay Priest, but I have a note about him. I love Gay Priest. Um, But yeah, like, that comb over. Apparently I loved it. Um, I will say, this is just a note from it, like, in general, Mm -hmm. because I've been watching... If you know, if you know Team Wolf, get out of me. I knew you were going to mention it. <laughs> I've been watching Team Wolf, a lot of Team Wolf, because I've never seen it. My roommate loves it. Oh, I saw it when great. it came out, but I haven't watched all of it. It's it's good. Like, I'm enjoying okay. it. Yeah. But I have a lot of thoughts about it. We'll, maybe we'll, we'll talk do about a little it, yeah. extra someday. Um, but Team Wolf does a whole, like, season where it has to do with a mental health facility. Um which Dang. back then it was what like 2010 or something maybe maybe later than that it's 2000s they handled it poorly oh, and yeah. i wrote in my notes i said the depiction of mental health facilities back in the day were always so rough and then i went actually they're still rough now like yeah. i feel like it's this trope maybe maybe it is a trope i don't know but like it's always this trope of like you need something scary yeah. oh show a mental health facility yeah they're unwell and i'm like yeah. i really hate when they show like people in mental health yeah. situations like as something scary to yeah. be feared and that is they do it very briefly here i think there's a scene yeah when he's visiting his mother and they have her there because she was unwell because she has like um fluid in her brain or yeah. something and it, they were like we can't afford a hospital and a hospital wouldn't take her unless we paid a lot right and so it's like this is the cheapest place for her and so you see like how quote out of place she is there right and we've talked a lot about like yes like representations of mental it just villainizes it It and it makes it like something to be scared of and and shameful yeah Yeah. like we shall be ashamed of being here like reduces people to like 
a lot. So, sorry, I can finish a sentence. Uh, one of the first things you learn about, like in psych programs, is like the history of institutionalization. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be like a this is how like historically we have treated people like literal animals. Yeah. And you see a lot of that in it's, like institutionalization scenes. It's rough. And I feel like it's always like that. It's always used to shock value. Yeah. Which like I know this is the nineteen seventies, but damn. Yeah. It's um yeah. But moving on from that. I said I like the silhouettes. They create a lot of cool silhouettes in this movie. Mm. But not just that. I feel like they use lines like like the banister or this or that. It's always like I like in photography there's the rule of thirds, like whatever. So like yeah. you want every picture you take to have um a line for your eye to follow mm-hmm. so like the goal is is like whatever your subject is you want your eye to go like up and down and over and then to your side like whatever order it is it doesn't matter but you mm-hmm. want your eye to see the whole photo basically um and i think they do a good job of that it's like a nerdy way to describe it but no i love like, that okay because they do a good job of being like because we've talked about it with deadpan photography mm-hmm the subject's right there there's nothing for your eye to really see except for the character mm-hmm. so like obviously you're gonna focus on them but when you have busy scenes you have to be extra careful to make sure that like what you're seeing even if it's not the only thing on screen is what you're gonna focus on yeah. so there's a good way to do it where it's like you're following the banister up leads your eye to her her you follow the eyes up it goes to an open door and then over and Basically, it, it helps you see the whole screen. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, it's like trick. It's like a trick for your brain, yeah. basically. Yeah. So it's like every line was very purposeful, and I appreciate that. Yeah. There was a lot of times where like they just had things in certain shots where I was like, yeah. I'm supposed to look at that, and now that makes me look here, and now I can look up here, and then like, and they had like a cool staircase situation. Yeah. So like using that appropriately. Yeah, that's cool. Like. If you're going to have a very busy scene, you have to make sure that, like, we still know what to look at. Yeah. And so I appreciate it. I, I thought that was great. The yeah. way they use lines is so good. Um, this is when we're at the party because I wrote, her blue dress was incredible. Mm-hmm. They're, oh my God. Whoever did the costumes just did a great job. Yeah, they did. The makeup and the costumes were two of my favorite things in mm. this. I would say mostly makeup, but for the party, I was like, look at that dress. Yep, <laughs> she yep, yep. so pretty. They just... Sorry, I had to burp. <laughs> they just did a good job of making her look not necessarily like rich, but just happy and like young and like a mom that's like living her own life and like being a mom wasn't her like, you know what I mean? Like her yeah. main focus, not that that's a bad thing, but just that like for her, like yeah. her career was still important. Yeah. And they did a good job of making her seem kind of like, lighthearted she's a person and a mom yeah like they just did a good job i don't know she looked great yeah it was fun to see it because like it didn't feel out of place because i knew her personality so like seeing her in something so luxurious i was like yeah of course like she's an actor she's great yeah because they have that like line job the white house wants you right okay so it was like yeah and like the autograph where it's like can i have your autograph like she was someone who was clearly very cool and respected and she didn't shy away from that. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote gay priest because gay, gay priest. priest. I was like, that's a gay priest if I've ever seen that's one. That's a gay priest when he was just playing the piano and he's yeah. just like, when I get to heaven, <laughs> it'll just be me. And like when, <laughs> he might as well have like name dropped Liza Minnelli. But like he, oh when the astronaut is like doing his thing, he's like, take me with you. He's like, why do you want to go? And he's like, the first missionary on Mars. I'm like, first of all, colonizing bullshit. Second of all, gay priest. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gabriel is great. I love him. All right, Gabriel. My favorite character. (laughs) When he... I have one of my notes is the petty crimes of priests because he talks about just stealing. little stuff. He's yeah. like, like, <laughs> just like, I couldn't, I couldn't with gay priests. Um, and then I clearly pay attention for a while because my next note was about the makeup and how it was well done. And I'm like, okay, so we got to a point where I was past all the like, we're looking good. Um, the makeup on the mom is great. Um, it's very subtle, but she looks so tired from a certain scene on. Like at first it's just, you know, she's kind of tired, whatever. Then it's straight up like, I am, I'm dead. I'm tired. I can't do this. And then Reagan obviously looks similar. Um, she obviously gets wild near the end, but there's like a good midway point where she looks great. As in terrifying. Like she doesn't look possessed she just looks just unwell unwell like yeah. she looks hungry she looks tired she looks like she is just sick yeah and um it's just subtle enough that i was like the transition from that to yeah. what she ends up looking like is good they don't go straight from like little kid to demon you yeah. know they have like chapped lips in between yes the chapped lips oh i think that's so cool always when people me. do that i'm always like it's such a small detail but it's, you know but it makes sense. Yeah. And like when you're a kid and like you're sick and you're like yep. mouth breathing all night, like you understand. You get it. <laughs> yeah. Those are always chats. Like, <laughs> so I thought that was so cool. Um, I saw, I thought this hypnosis scene was really good. Her acting is so good. Yeah. I thought everyone's acting was great. I don't really have complaints about anybody. It has that 1970s acting that I still love. Where like, it's a little cheesy. It's a yeah. little overdone. But that's just how every movie was. So yeah. it's like, I don't fault them for it. That's no. just kind of how it is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I feel like every decade or every like time period has its own little style and you're like, I can pinpoint where this is from based on this. Yeah. (laughs) Like the eighties has that kind of, everything is just vaguely a sitcom, you know, where it's like me. Oh, geez. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but just vaguely. Just a little bit. Like in Poltergeist where you're like, yeah, they're all kind of goofy. Like I get it. Yeah. yeah. So it just, it had the vibe, but it was good. I thought everyone was great. Um, I did like the doctors, too, and how much they just didn't believe in any of it. Drives Man. home, like, well, one, doctors being kind of shitty sometimes yeah. and just not believing anybody, especially yeah. women. Um, when they're like, oh, you know, it's adrenaline. And she's yeah. like, she's like, I literally saw a bed lift off the ground. And they're like, you silly woman. <laughs> but they did such a good job also making that kind of subtle, too, because when he's like, well, there's one more thing you can try. Mm-hmm. And he's like laughing the whole time he's saying it, but very subtly. He's just like, uh, you could, I, I just, I don't know. And then he'll talk and then like another doctor will talk mm-hmm. and then another one will join in. And it gives this sense of like camaraderie of all of them don't believe in this. Yep. And they're all making, it's yep. a joke. She's yep. just a joke to them. And I was like, they did a good job and of like, like making her a joke without making them straight up point and laugh. And like in that scene where it's like a shit ton of doctors She's the only one wearing black or like yes. dark color and they're all wearing the white like uh-huh. yeah. It, it was just great. Yeah. I I thought that was such a good moment because it was like they could have just had them act aggressive and like really make fun of her but yeah. it was so subtle. When it's like you have to tread a certain type of line. It's like in this way, I don't think that they were gaslighting because they weren't intentionally trying to mislead. They right. just really do have that superiority yes. issue. But like in order to make someone feel truly alone, you have to make it questionable as to whether they're right. Yeah. And so, like, if you have someone come at you, like, 
coming in hot and they're just like you're a bad mom and like we think yeah then it gives a very easy villain for the person to like get their hackles up and be like i didn't deserve that but when it's eroding at your sense of self and sanity very slowly it's much easier to be broken down by that and isolated it was such a subtle manipulation it was also just like being condescending without outrightly doing it like it's almost like they were just that's just how they are it's not them doing it on purpose but they're just like that it was good. Yeah. I, I thought it made them the villain. The whole point is obviously to make everything villainized besides religion. Woo! Woo! So I get it. I see what you're doing. You got me. You it's got fine. me. Um, you did it well. <laughs> I'm mad about it. I hate it, but you got me. Yeah. Um, I did say I like the acting from everyone. It's the mom's sadness that sells it. Um, mm. I think this movie is so funny and interesting to me because it's not necessarily about reagan as much as it is about every person that it affects because of all this um i'm a sucker for any movie where like the real like trauma and horror of the film is not the demon it's everybody around you having to go through it yeah because like when we watched um paranormal activity like the scary thing isn't the ghost it's it's what it does to the couple that lives there eventually yeah like it is because they get possessed and all that but like for so long it's just their decreased like sanity and trust with one another yeah and it's the same thing here yeah where it's like a mom knowing her daughter and being like i would know her no matter what and i know it's not her and she's so sad and every priest that comes up is so like I don't know what the fuck to do, you know? It's that desperation that, like, every character gives off. Whereas Reagan, you're like, I know what you're about. Yeah. I figured you out. You're a demon. Yeah. Everyone else, you had to go on a journey. Yeah. It was good. It was just, oh, it was great. Yeah. I also wrote, mm, pea soup. I do love, genuinely, I love pea soup. So every time they shoot vomits, I go, I do love pea soup. Yeah. So. (laughs) Also, the house was weird. I, every time they were in a room in the house, I'd go, ooh, new house. And then I would see the staircase and go, same house. Same house? <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, well, you lied to me? I think it's just, little house. Which like, okay, everyone's house is sort of like this. I get it. So it's not like it's that out of the realm of possibility. But it was just like the room with the staircase and where the party was is so, I don't know, put together and like sweet and white and ooh, whatever. But then you get to this like room with all the books and it's so dark brown and whatever. Yeah. And I was like, where are we? I have no concept of how the house fits together. No, me neither. I just have all the separate rooms and they exist in their own plane yes. of existence. That's how it felt. It felt like, sure, this is one house, but I've never seen them connect. No. Even though there were tracking shots, usually, I don't know if they were trying to confuse me or if they were just like, maybe because it burned down. They were like, fuck, show as few rooms as yes. possible. I don't know. But I picture like a mile between the sets in right? each room. Like <laughs> I just like, where are you? My only it's not even a complaint as much as I just I was just confused. Yeah. I feel like we talk about a lot where movies do a really good job of using camera angles to show you how a house is laid out. Yes. This one did the opposite. I was like, where the fuck are you going? Sure. At one point I was reassured when we were just like, okay, we're going to chill in Reagan's room now. I know where this they is just, <laughs> Once we're in Reagan's room, I'm like, okay, that I can get with. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. down to clown in this room. We're good. Um, That's my scariest moment. I'll leave it. This is where it gets kind of funny because we're, we're down to my last notes where like shit's going down, yeah. right? And I wrote, he got bonked. Oh, now she got bonked. The bonked becomes the bonker. Oh, no. he's bonked to death. Oh my God. <laughs> 
I went on a journey. And then I wrote, those stairs always back to haunt us. Amazing. Um, I won't say this is my scariest moment, but this was pretty close. Uh, it's when Karis is dying at the, mm. at the bottom of the stairs. Gay priest, gay, gay priest, priest shows up and has his hand and he's holding it. And he says, um, like, do you want to give your final confession? Yeah, or and he like squeezes my hand. It's the way his hand is moving in the other hand. It just scares the shit out of me. It's, yeah. Because I'm like, I thought he was dead. Then he does that. So I'm like, okay, well, that's scary. But it's the like squeezing and then like moving almost yeah. like he's thinking about something. And I was like, oh, I hate it. I really thought that like demon voice would come me out too. of him. Yeah. And like, it, oh, it was just subtle. It was like, I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So I hated it. I was yeah. like, oh, scary. It's a very unnerving, like that, tense moment. Oh, that's my final note. I, I just, okay. that was the last part that I think really got me. Um, But yeah, it was the, it was just. There were little choices in this movie yeah. where I was like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that was mine. I've talked a lot about, like, I've interjected my yeah. notes. <laughs> so, like, that's a gay priest if I've ever seen one. Obviously. Uh, petty crimes of priests. Uh, <laughs> I ship Sharon and Chris. Um, because, like, Chris is, like, horrified by something. And Sharon is, like, guiding her out of the room and, like, sits with her on the stairs. And, like, they just have an understanding. <sighs> they should have been together. They should have been. And I'm going to rewrite it. I know in hindsight what this note is because yeah. I went through my notes and I have the context around it, but all I have is a gyrating camera. <laughs> what is? <laughs> it's the medical scene after right. the uh, angiogram after where there's the... like that click, 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 and there's the yeah. camera like just moving around and it's just like having a dance party. It's vibing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. It's like I can hear the TikTok sound like, behind oh. it. <laughs> I'm spinning like, like a ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see uh are you religious is your daughter how do you feel about a little exorcism as a treat <laughs> they really were like are you religious you should be <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm more familiar with the exorcist stairs than the joker stairs never seen joker i just think well yeah then you would be <laughs> i've never watched a batman <laughs> okay <laughs> so many good stairs in movies but i love that you were like exorcist stairs Joker's dick. Yeah. Those are the two. Those are the only two. Obviously. I know I'm wrong, but there's also the Gone with the Wind stairs. How yeah. How I forget? Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Everyone knows them. There's some good stairs in Harold and Maude. You mean Benny and June? Get out of here. <laughs> there's probably stairs in that, too. Yeah. I wouldn't know. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> um, I, so when the cop is there. Yeah. And he's basically saying, like, I don't know. It kind of sounds like your daughter killed him. Like, Unless yikes. maybe there was like a mystery person there. And she's like, cool. So we're done. And then she basically says like, would you like more coffee? And the way she says it, like, I don't know if you have to be Midwest to understand it, but it was not an offer. No, it was, it was a was goodbye. A get out. And he like was coffee? like, you know, I would like coffee. And she stares at him like, she's like how, how dare, dare you? you? I was being polite, you ass. <laughs> and Everyone like, knows that that was a goodbye coffee. Yes. And it was... It was hilarious to watch that occur. God. Uh, and then KitchenAid mixers are timeless. She has a KitchenAid mixer. And I was like, I have one. And it looks it. exactly the same as hers. And that just is unifying. I am her. She is me. We, we are, are she. one. <laughs> <laughs> the people's mixer. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. <laughs> uh, and then I have... She lightens him up by asking about, like, murder. And then, yeah. like, just a little bit of exorcism on the side. Like, oh, what about, uh, uh, And then I have, like, two, like, notes. One is just, like, an introductory. And then one of them's like, I need to remember this. All caps. Double oh, parentheses. 
And it's the love of mother trying to convince every man of what her daughter needs. Oh, God. And then all caps, reassertion of patriarchal order. Fatherless family cannot stand without intervention from men and Sky Daddy. <laughs> I like how it's like, no father, we've got one. Mm-hmm. And it's a priest. <laughs> Our father. <laughs> Our father. <laughs> you don't have a dad? What about Our father. <laughs> Uh, communist Bugs Bunny just needs like the what... um, youth pastor haircut and the guitar. <laughs> no, ew. Oh, so scary. That's scarier than this. That's my scariest moment. No. My scariest moment. <laughs> uh, he uses the holy purple belt to mop up the pea soup vomit. Uh, and then like Reagan when she's floating above the bed with the yeah. power of Christ compels you. She has her Christ arms. She does, yeah. Uh, and then she's floating above the men, and she has, like, this light blue floral nightgown, like, belying the horror of a levitating child possessed right. by a demon. Uh, and then uh, I have two more notes. Oh, One boy. is uh, right after both priests have kicked it, and it's like the cop is like, we have a dead priest inside. We have a dead priest outside. What are we going to do here? <laughs> it's just like, he clocks the priest. I'm drowning like, in dead priests. He's like, too many dead priests. <laughs> like, I'm choose. Which way? It's a choose your own adventure of dead priests. I don't know. Like, oh, it's a lot. Uh, and then Dyer walks to the stairs and looks down. And then he turns to the fucking way. He's like, I'll take the elevator. <laughs> he's just fucking done. You know what this brings back? A yeet priest. It does bring it back does a yeet priest. It does bring back a yeet priest. It was like a self-yeet. Yeah. One oh, of them he... was yeeted involuntarily. Then one of them yeeted himself. Sometimes you gotta eat yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's how it goes. Those are all my notes. <laughs> wow. <sighs> some serious, some less some than. less serious. Yeah. This is where we had those moments where I'd be like, wow, this is depressing. Wow, yeah. this is rough. And then I'd be yeah. like, nice. Like, <laughs> yep. Yep. That's good. Who would have I... thought that the lightest, like, most wholesome parts come from the priest? Right? <laughs> Specifically gay priest. <laughs> I I still enjoyed it. Like, I wasn't sure if I would still be scared of it. I mean, definitely less so, just because, like, we've seen so many scary movies. Mm-hmm. I watched this as a kid. So, like, that's why it was so scary to me. But it still holds up. There were still oh, yeah. parts, probably just me remembering as a kid, but it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like this one. Do you have your, your scariest moment? I don't. You I don't? I really couldn't think, like, I... I think I've said this before, like, I'm very much, like, jump scares get me. Yes. And when it's, like, psychological horror, This then... one's less of jump scares, yeah. for sure. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, the moment that got me, and I just don't have it yet. I don't mind. Okay. Um, so mine was the moment... It was between two, because there was the one that got me as a kid that scared me the most, and then there was one that got me now. Yeah. One that got me as a kid was when the bed first shakes. Um... Just because as a kid, I used to lay in my bed and feel and see if it was shaking. Oh, no. And if anything, we lived in an apartment. Yeah. So if anything shook my bed, I'd be like, hell no. I used to sleep in my toy box. I had like a big toy box and I would take all my stuffed animals and like line, line the toy so and then lay in there. Yeah. My mom has pictures of me sleeping in there. It's so funny. So cute. Haunting. Sometimes I slept in my laundry basket. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I was like, I curled on up. So I'd sleep in there. And it's because I was so scared that my bed would shake and that would mean I was possessed. Yeah. And there was nothing I could do about it. Um, but that is not the one I had today. The one that got me this time was her levitating out of the bed. Yeah. I think because it's so sudden. <laughs> she's like screaming and yelling and they're all fighting and then boop, she's just in the air. And she did it so quietly. Yeah. And everything got so quiet. And I just, 
didn't know what because I hadn't seen this forever I didn't know what she was gonna do and it's that moment of who's winning right now yes exactly I didn't know if this was like she's got the high ground or if this was like (laughs) she doesn't want the high ground I don't know so I really didn't know if she was being like if this was her coming back or what so I was just like oh my god basically I was on the edge of my seat even though I like knew deep down how it actually ended I still was scared um so that part got me. I don't know. Yeah. It just happened so suddenly. <sighs> okay. My scariest moment yeah. is when Karis runs back in and finds Father Marin dead. Oh, that one's... <sighs> because, like, Spooky. he's, like, face down, like, he's praying on the bed, and then you realize, oh, he's kicked it, like, he's gone. Yeah. And Karis tries to give him the worst the resuscitation The worst resuscitation. Which, like, I mean, what? He's, like, 90? It's okay. Well, yeah. Which is funny because the actor was like 40 and had so much makeup to make him look old, which worked out really well for like the sequel where they do like a prequel and they use his typical age for it. Yeah. But no, that was the scariest moment for me because it's like, I'd watched it. I didn't remember how a lot of things went. I knew how it ended. Yeah. Exactly. Like I knew the vague ending. Like, yeah. But I couldn't remember like who survived. Yeah. Uh, and how and so it was just one of those moments where it's like Karis was weakened by Pazuzu being like blah 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 you left your mother you left right. her alone like how dare you and he's sitting out there and then the mom is like is my baby gonna die right. and he's like oh fuck like I was just thinking about myself and then right. he's like no she won't and he goes back up stop and stop I and love it and he's like, gonna die? Big boots on. and he's like no <laughs> he's like yeah. guess not it was almost like she had, like, she's like, I gotta be the mom to everyone. Right. And she's like, how can I, like, reverse psychology this priest into doing the good thing? But he goes up and, like, he's ready to, like, take it on. And then right. he's like, oh, my mentor, the person that knows what they're doing, is dead. Yikes. And then he's like, well, I'm a boxer at heart. <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes you gotta use what you got. Yep. I so love that was it. My scariest moment. He was like, I'm punching this 12 year old. I'm just gonna punch, punch the devil right out of you. I'll- don't make me do it. If you were possessed, I'd punch the devil out of you. I'd punch the devil out of you. Thank you. Yeah. That's so nice. So you know. One else will dip for you and I. (laughs) 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 Always ready to hit. Uh Um, Oh, is that ready straight for trope? Yes. I'm pumped. I don't know what this one has. I was so like focused that I was like, tell me about it. So uh, we've talked before about like how a trope comes to be. Yeah. When two tropes love each other very much. Um, but (laughs) so in terms of like the levels of how a trope is developed, we have the example the you are, uh, and that's like the first ever. Oh um, yeah. Okay. We've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the first known use. It may or may not have been intentional. Right. The trope maker is the first intentional use of it. Yeah. It's saying, I see what you did there. I'm going to use this to effect because tropes are tools. And then the trope codifier is, like, I see what other people have done. I'm not going to say I'm the first person to do it. I may have ripped off A and B, (laughs) but I am going to do this so damn well, and it's going to become popular, and then this will be the template for this use of the trope in the future. And so it's like when we talked about slashers. Like, Mm -hmm. there were slashers before the ones that became popular. Right. And they might have been, like, the Ua example or the trope maker, but the trope codifier comes later. Yeah. So sometimes the trope maker, like, sometimes they're all one. Right. Uh, sometimes they're the trinity of trope. Sometimes they're not. Um, the holy trinity. The holy trope trinity. Oh, my God. Uh, so this one was a trope maker and trope codifier for Hollywood exorcism. Interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, and then it was the, let's see, there was another one. I have to like scroll through. Um, trope namer. Okay. Uh, it was the trope namer for two different things. Exorcist oh. head. Uh, yeah. And it's funny because like usually when it's like a trope namer, it's like it takes the name and then tropes can like go off on their merry way. Right. But with this one, the exorcist head is almost exclusively used in parody or homage yeah. of the exorcist I was going to say, yeah. it was like, I don't think I can think of something that does it no. on its own. Like, there were a few that like use it, like Beetlejuice uses it. But yeah, they do. But it's like, even if they're not directly like referencing or saying like, are, you know. exorcist, everything came after. Right. And so yeah. Um, and then that thing is not my child. Yep, yep. And this is actually kind of a separate type where it's like it named the trope because she's like, I know my daughter. I could have her duplicate sitting in front of me. That right. thing upstairs is not my child. That's the trope namer. But this trope is more of a sci-fi trope mm-hmm. and the name is just taken from it. So like right. the vibe for that trope is very much not what's happening here. Right. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's just kind of interesting that one of them is like, it became the name of the trope and then everyone else just like did a parody of it or yeah. homage to. And then the other one is like, you got the name, nothing else. And I love that. Oh, I think it's fun. Uh, oh, I found, okay. If we want to go back. Uh, so if we want to be like, we have trope, we have the, or example, trope maker, trope codifier. Uh, and if you want to look at like the difference between the codifier and the maker and being like the one that establishes it may not be the one that everyone takes their template from. Yeah. So a good example of this is the trope maker of found footage mockumentary is Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, Oh, we've talked about this a tiny bit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But the trope codifier is Blair Witch Project. Right. Because Cannibal Holocaust was like, I've seen this. We're going to use this. We're going to do it. Right. And then Blair Witch Project is, let me do it better. Right. They were <laughs> and like, let, let, me, let yeah. us actually do it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like the one that is like a very unambiguous first example of Dang. this type of trope versus the one that becomes the template for everything right. else. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I just think it's interesting how they can like blend That's so in neat. Yeah. Uh, so this was like the trope codifier, trope namer for stuff. Mm-hmm. It was hugely influential. <laughs> right. It really like kicked off um, this... What's what I'm looking for? Like, children and demons and exorcism. Like, it wasn't just exorcism, but it was also, like, um, horrific children or satanic children in some way. Right. Like, this was the introduction or, like, the door opening for those films. So, like, Rosemary's Baby, The yeah. Omen. Yeah. Those got more funding than they otherwise probably would have because, because this was so successful. That makes sense. And it opened the door for it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, this is a funny trope. Oh, no. Art imitates art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the iconic shot of Marin when he's first arriving at the house was inspired by the 1954 painting Empire of Light by Marguerite. Mm, Magritte. Okay. Renee Magritte. Um, there's also, like, resemblance to something else that I don't know about. Right. It's also interesting that that shot, there are two things. I'm going to skip to one of them. But um, the first thing is that it was very difficult to shoot that scene because they wanted uh the light coming directly from the window yeah through down and they wanted all that fucking mist like that fog and so they had a hard time with the fog and then there was like wind that day or something and it blows a lot of the fog away the curse (laughs) the curse 
And then getting the light to filter the way it needed to. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> so like they had a ton. No wonder. That. And it became like this iconic it's thing. And a it's a beautiful the cover. shot. Yeah. It's a gorgeous shot. Very hard to get. Oh my god. But also it's an inversion of dark or like, you know, like evil equals black, black equals whatever. Right. So it is dark is not evil. So when Marin arrives, the priest is clad in black and white light is coming from the demon room. And the demon room. So it's like all the light in the scene is coming from evil. Right. And the supposed goodness coming in is wearing all black and is in shadow. Yeah. And so it's that inversion of what you expect. Dang. Yeah. That's good. I thought that was cool. I like that. Uh, thank you, TVTropes.org. So. Thanks, yeah. TVTropes.org. I can say words. Um, okay. You and I embody this next one. Beat the curse out of him. <laughs> you gotta do it. You have to. Just fight. And so it's like, they spent hours like throwing holy water, reading scripture, doing like this like song doing and dance. So many things. Just punch him. Just punch him. Just punch Give him, him a, a punch. Times. Uh, and apparently in the book, he just kind of like talked Pazuzu into doing it, like taunted him. <laughs> Listen, yeah, <laughs> let's make a deal. <laughs> I think we can come to an agreement. I think we can. <laughs> uh, and then I just have like a collection of tropes that are for the demon itself. Right. Uh, break them by talking. So yeah. it's just eroding at your sense of self, your like well being. Yeah, all of it. Consummate liar. Mm-hmm. Like the best liar. Right. Apparently, devil who knew. Um, demonic possession. Duh. Duh. Uh, sir swears a lot. Your cunting daughter. <laughs> sir swears a lot, yes. And it just cracks me up because it's like, I've never heard cunting used as but it's that, so like, aggressive. Speech. Yeah. Do you want to know what your it. cunting daughter did? It's like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, would you like to know how they died? That is like when Reagan's head turns 180. That's right. supposed to be taunting her for Brooke Denning's death. Yeah. Because, you know. Ugh. And then your mom. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Yeah. 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 So those are the demon tropes. Uh, then we have Crisis of Faith. Because that's supposed to be right. a big thing with Karis. He's like, and, is it gonna work? And like from the beginning, he's like, I think I may be losing my faith. And like... He started off as a priest, and then we're like, we're going to send you to doctor school. And (laughs) (laughs) send you to doctor school, buddy. How about that, sport? (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, he just starts, like, he just no longer believes. And so he's having his crisis of faith. And he's like, there's got to be a scientific explanation. And then all of this, like, demonic possession happens in front of him. And so he has to come to terms with things like, very rapidly. Fine. <laughs> like, expedited timeline. Uh, so there's that. And then there are two more for him specifically. Yeah. Uh, take me instead. Okay. Yeah. It's the heroic sacrifice. Yeah. And then kill the host body. Right. And that's, like, a parasite trope. So mm-hmm. it's, like, whenever there is a parasite within a host and you can't, kill the parasite without you killing just the gotta... host. You kill the host. And so it's often in like grimmer stories. Yeah. Because like in the ideal reality, you get the parasite out of the host, you kill the parasite, host lives. Woo. Right. But in this one, it's like, well, we tried well... this. <laughs> and that didn't work. So I guess we have to kill the host body. Right. And so he is like, take me instead. I'll become the host. I'll and eat then, myself out the window. Eat priest. Yeah. priest. How could you avoid the eat priest? How could you? Uh, and then we have two different types of, ho- well, we have more than this, but two different types of like trope horror. Yeah. Medical horror, religious horror. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this was what I was trying to say earlier and my brain was just like shutting down. <laughs> demonic children. This yeah. was like the first part of like the demonic children, like 
trail. <laughs> this maybe this was what started my fear of just creepy kids. Entirely possible. It's very possible. Starts here, Rosemary's baby, the omen, frailty, let us pray, it follows, tank tops. Oh, so, God. yeah. Yeah. I hate that one. That one's the worst for some reason. Oh, he's awful. Um, and then we have two, like for Father Marin. Yeah. Which so secondary character title. Father Marin doesn't come in until, like, he starts off the film. Yeah. You don't really understand the context no. for him or his name. He's just around. And then he comes in the last, like, third of the yeah. film, maybe. Then he dies <laughs> before the end. R.I.P. And so it's like, he is the exorcist. Right. And it, that's also the title drop. Because they're like, okay, do you have any ideas for the exorcist? They're just talking about, like, filling a job position. Right. And they're like, well, there's, like, this one guy. Well. Well. And it, it's interesting that, like, the title of the film is about a secondary character yeah. that is not in most of the film. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then my last one, Staircase Tumble. Yeah. 2X sometimes Staircase you take Tumble. A, yeah, it is yeah. a 2X. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes you tumble down the stairs. Yeah. So there were a shit ton of tropes, but I wanted to cover the ones that, like, this set the stage yeah. for others, and the ones that are just fun. Those are good. Yeah, I like go. those. I always like the fun ones. Yeah. Good stuff. Now I have to choose a rating. Yeah. Um, I, I I forgot that I had this in my notes because, like, I write out different, like, yeah. ideas. Curtsies for Christ. Because <laughs> I saw a spirit leave your body at that moment. Because when you Christ. see the desecrated Mary, you have this dude walking, like, a priest walking in, and he has, like, flower arrangements, and he, like, does a respectful bow or something. It looked like a curtsy. And then Charmed. he keeps going. And I was like, yeah, curtsy for Christ, do it. Well, that's it. <laughs> you don't want anything else. I know that there are more relevant things, but a curtsy for Christ. Really? What is this movie but a curtsy for Christ? What is? Honestly. I couldn't answer you. All right, well, I know mine. I think I know. Yeah. You okay. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, two one. one. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> okay, I love it. Same I, wavelength. I love it. We're thinking yeah, yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave it four. Yep. Kay gave it four. Yeah. Um, I give it four because I don't know. It's just a it's it's a pretty movie for such yeah. a gross movie. Yeah, which we've had before, and I always appreciate it. Um, but yeah, cinematography is great. I just think the acting is great, and yeah. even though even though they tricked me mm. to just embrace it at the end, I'm like, dang, I, they do a good job of setting it up from the very beginning. I think yeah. everything in this movie is very purposeful. Yeah, I think that's great. So. I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I have qualms. We all yeah. know there are qualms, duh. Like, I mean, but, you know, yeah, those, thinking about those, considering those, it's still, it's still a very good movie. Yeah. It's, yeah. It still scares me. Oh, yeah. I still think about my bed shaking. Like, I'm not joking. That, Every time I lay in my bed, I'm like, it's like a core memory type thing. Like, it really understandable. is. Like, I saw that happen. And then from then on, I was like, I hate this. Mm. And if my bed ever shakes, I will just, I remember it shook once, like, when I was younger in like a bedroom, because I had a bunk bed. Yeah. I'm an only child. I had a bunk bed. <laughs> okay. And because it's an apartment, Party something just happened. <laughs> I only slept in the top bunk. So obviously it shakes a little more. So like something shook it and I climbed down, got in the toy box. I was like, fuck that. Like, fuck this shit out of I can't believe how much this had an effect on me as a Wowzers. kid. I know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I did not watch this as a child. <laughs> uh, I still give it four curtsies for Christ. Yes. Um, it is visually a stunning movie. It's very pretty. They're so <laughs> intentional with, like, the way that light and, like, humidity is used. Like, yeah. The moisture content of the air, more important than you'd think. More important. And, uh, 
I like my qualms, obviously ableism. Right. And then the like ultimate like reinforced message of the film is not it's something not I great. agree with. No, I don't agree with it at all. And so it's like, I'm not down with the plot. Right. But I think that the way they develop characters, the way that they show like this mother daughter duo. Yeah. Just like struggling together. And like, even though Reagan's like checked out for most of it, right. you still know that it's not just the mother. You know that it's still in pursuit of this relationship. It yes. is like central to their lives. Right. And I find that compelling. And like camera angles, lighting. I don't see those as much. I thought it was cool though. <laughs> it was so pretty. Uh, I agree with like acting sometimes. Yeah. There were also just really funny like moments of humor. Oh, there's so many good, weird cheesy humor moments yeah. like, and there were a few like good like very minor jump scares that weren't mm-hmm. really related to like when she's in the attic and she's the candle and it like flares oh, up suddenly. yeah yeah but then it's immediately cut with like the joke of carl being like yeah. see no rats like, and she's like that's excellent no rats really good <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like, great it. so it's like i enjoy this movie it's not like the epitome of horror for me personally right and it's like, I don't have the nostalgia. I don't have the childhood fears baked into it. And so I watched this movie. I'm like, it's cool. And I appreciate yeah. what it did at the time. It doesn't scare me. Right. But I also watched it for the first time as an adult. Exactly. 30 years after like, it was released. Again, like this movie is just so nostalgic in yeah. that scary way. So yeah. I was like, we've talked about this too with the uh, Texas Chainsaw where I was like, yeah. it just, you vibe with it different. I watched yeah. it and I was like, it was so spooky. And you were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like not yeah. at all yeah <laughs> i was like yeah but yeah. it works though yeah so that's a total of eight that's curtsies for christ yeah it's a good Dang. number yeah. gotta start curtsying got a lot to get, get through started practice your squats <laughs> your form my form my curtsy up on your head <laughs> that's too much god so that wraps up our discussion of the exorcist yeah okay if you enjoyed your time with us, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts or literally wherever you yeah. listen. We will gladly accept reviews there as well. Uh, Apple Podcasts is apparently the one that like it's helps the one, I guess. Us. I don't who's, know who's to say why. Uh, we also just like to read what you say, so yeah. rate and review, please. Mm. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Cool With It, and every Wednesday we'll post the movie for the week, and sometimes then sometimes we post it Friday. Mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> it's a busy week, okay? Sometimes Kate doesn't understand how time works but linearly, we, but we do it. <laughs> it will be posted. It will be posted. Yeah, usually on a Wednesday. Sometimes yeah, not. Sometimes not. Keep you on your toes. I'm That's what we're about. Keeping you thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also check out our extended show notes on our website, justgoalwithapod.com. And those are very slightly delayed. I in the relax. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that's attacking me, calm We're down. We're trying. Every zero person. Every, yeah, <laughs> everyone's very understandable yeah. and qu- really kind. And we're like, shut up. I'm, like, I'm doing my best. And they're like, we know, babe. We know. Calm down. <laughs> You can also take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash it. And this coming weekend, like yeah. not this one, but the upcoming weekend uh, or the next oh, one, yeah. we have the horror stream. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm so excited. We've been doing Alien Isolation. We found out that it's a much longer game than we anticipated. It's very long. So we're going to cut it every now and then. Yeah. Probably, we might throw like, something in between to just to make Nancy a little break. Drew? I don't know. Oh, Nancy Drew. What? We got some good ones. Yeah, we'll we throw have, them in. There are a lot of options. Yeah. Uh, some really cool shit. Like Mortician's Assistant. Yeah, uh, I we'll can't wait. Oh, we should do that one. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons. Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Kenny, Janice, and Brian. Woo! Uh-huh. 
He nailed it. Yes. That's good. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Roncazella. The cover inspired very young Nikki Solomon. I know. I heard she's possessed. That bitch? <laughs> second time we've done that. Yeah. You go, that bitch? <laughs> yes, that bitch. <laughs> That's me. Who the fuck is that bitch? That bitch is I. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.